Good morning, marketers, and welcome to the If You Market podcast brought to you by Mountaintop Data. We are the only podcast that markets the shit out of it. I'm your host, Sky Cassidy, and today we'll be talking with Nick Paninsky about writing emails for nurture campaigns that don't suck. I think, see, I think I wrote that 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 intro there. And what we mean is that the the email copy doesn't suck. Not that the campaigns don't suck. We can't help you with that. We're just going to help you with with your copy. Your product is uh, is is all on you. Anyway, uh, Nick uh, Nick Paninsky is a copywriting expert um, for course creators and the author of the book Stop Struggling: Sell Your Course This Week: How to Write Words to Get Your Course Sold in a Week. He's also the creator of the course The Five Minute Client Grabber. Um, I have bad news for you, Nick. I invented the four minute client grabber and how to sell your course in six days. So a little uh, something about Mary reference there. Um, I'm actually going to put a link to that in the, in the show notes for this. I, I looked at that scene before uh, the show and was cracking up. Um, great little scene from something about Mary there when the guy blows up about somebody creating six minute abs to undermine his seven minute abs idea, which was undermining eight minute abs. Um, anyway, thanks for coming on today, Nick. Yeah, man. Thank you for having me. Um, I wish I'd seen that clip so I could know what you're talking about. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, I'll, I'll share it. I'll share it with you after, but a uh, very funny little scene with, um, was it Ben Stiller and, and Harlan Williams um, with the picks up the hitchhiker and, and the hitchhiker starts explaining to him how he invented this, uh, this seven minute abs thing because there's eight minute abs and he'll put out seven minutes and why would anybody choose? And the guy says, yeah, until somebody invents six minute abs. And then the hitchhiker goes ballistic. What? No, you have to seven minutes, six minutes. You can't do six minutes. <laughs> Starts freaking out. And turns out the hitchhiker was a serial killer and he barely escaped with his life. Um, anyway, so I just totally a spoiler alert, a little delayed spoiler alert there. Great, funny, funny scene. Um, so yeah, you're going to have to scramble to go out and invent, um, I don't know, five, how to sell your course in five days in the, in the uh, three minute client grabber, I guess. Sorry about that. No anyway, pressure. Okay. Thanks for coming on. Um, copywriting for nurture campaigns specifically. I have, uh, I have here, of course, we can talk about email copywriting for, for anything and copywriting stuff in general, but can you um, right off the bat, can you give the listeners a little, information like what's the difference when writing for a nurture campaign um, versus any other type of, of email campaign? Yeah, okay. Um, very simply, nurture campaigns, there's a, it's about nurturing your subscribers. It's about getting them ready for the sale. It's about building value. It's about positioning yourself as an expert. It's about helping them achieve you know, wins um, so that when you do have something to sell, they know that you are the real deal. Hmm. So are you warming them up basically with a nurture campaign? Exactly um, that. Yes. Not necessarily a, a hard sales pitch in, in every email. Um, you know, hey, buy now, buy today, blinking buttons or something like that. Exactly that. Yeah. So for me, there's... Um, you know, there's, there's nurturing and then there's selling. And these are, you know, two different kinds of, um, of, of emails, right? So for my book, when I talk about uh, selling your course inside a week, these are sales emails. These are very much like, you know, um, using all those classic marketing tropes like um, uh, testimonials and future pacing and benefits and talking to people about the life that they're in, which is terrible, and the life that they want to get to. So you're an ABC, you're like, click here, sign up now, closing, 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 call to action is closing. Exactly um, that. Yeah. Okay. Those are sales emails. And then to me, like um, nurture emails, broadcast emails, whatever you want to call them, those are more about creating a relationship, um, building trust, no like trust, right? Hmm. It's about building that relationship. This is great because I find, I think the companies that have the most difficult time with marketing in general, but email marketing in particular, because they feel like they're supposed to be generating a lead. They're supposed to be getting something to give to sales. And a lot of B2B companies have the type of product that isn't a impulse buy. Um, mm -hmm. So maybe 
their audience is going to buy this product. Maybe it's a nice to have and it's never. And then in which case you better actually have some kind of impulse buy built in there. If you're a really expensive, nice to have that takes uh, two years for a sales cycle, that's good luck. Um, yes. But they're the type of product that most companies are going to buy at some time within their target audience. Uh, but that's on that company's schedule. They're never going to impulse buy it or, or rarely. So I feel like they, they're trying to get the lead always when the company is going to at some point be interested in this product, but, but it's never just here right now. So the staying in front of them all the time is important. And I think that's where good nurture copywriting and content um, is then effective because whenever they're ready, you're going to be there, but you're not annoying the crap at them with a bye, 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 bye message all the time. Exactly that. Yeah. Um, ideally, you want to be building that relationship so that when they are ready to buy, you are top of mind, right? We've all seen that sales pyramid, you know, where the top 3% are ready to buy and then the rest of the 97% they're not ready to buy. And, and mm. that's basically what your nurture emails are for. It's for the other 97%. A lot of people think they're not ready to buy because their button wasn't blinking bright enough on their email, or they didn't have that magical line that took the guy from who are you and what is this to, yeah, I'll spend a half a million dollars today. Um, instantly. It's like, no, no, they're not ready. Cause they're not ready. You, yes. You want to stick around and, uh, and until they are without annoying the crap at them. So when they are, they're like, I don't want to talk to that guy, though. <laughs> yeah, it's 100% that. Mm. Yeah, I'm on an email sequence at the moment. I'll not tell you the company, but, you know, the first lot of emails was launching their product at me. And then the second week, the product had increased in cost. You know, they've given me that FOMO for the first week. Second week, the, you know, it increased in cost. And, and, you know, I wasn't ready to buy either of these weeks. Now I'm in a nurture sequence. And, you know, they're sending me information about how well we'll be able to implement their product or, you know, how I can improve my business, et cetera, et cetera. Um, mm. it's, it's very interesting. So It seems to me if you have a good nurture sequence set up, then your, your audience pool is much larger because you don't just have the people who are interested right now and the people you've driven away and annoyed the crap out of. You have all the potential audience that can still be sticking around and, and not you know, um, blocking you or something like that. And then you have the people who are ready right now. Um, yes. so we're going from ABC to ABN. Always be closing to always be nurturing with this. Um, so let's jump to some meat and potatoes here for the listeners. Uh, can you give some tips on what they can be doing to, to have better, better email copy. Um, okay. So I, I think um, I, the best thing to do is to be for me, as far as if we're talking about, you know, um, service-based businesses, then you're really talking about, you know, that building that relationship. So we're sharing stories, right. And then you, uh, you segment, not segment, what's the word I'm looking for. You position that story into a lesson for your audience, right? So I was reading, this is an email I've written recently, but I was reading Tony Robbins' book last night. Um, and in it, he talks about how um, there's a guy walking along in the park and he sees a kid drowning and he jumps in the water and he saves the kid. And then, you know, he gets out of the water. Then there's another kid and another kid and another kid. And eventually he stops going to save the children and he, and he says, I'm not going to save anymore. I'm going to go upstream and see which idiot keeps throwing kids in the water. So that, and that's like an analogy about, you know, stop problem solving, go and find out what the root cause of the problem is. So you can or use he looked that around and said, wait, this is just a, a swimming lesson here. I keep dragging <laughs> kids out of the water. They're trying to swim for God's sakes. Maybe my filter's broken. <laughs> <laughs> Potentially that <laughs> certainly one way of taking the story. Um, but you can use like that kind of a story as an analogy. Like, you know, he, he's talking about solving root causes of your problems. Um, and that's the kind of stuff that I would say to send to your audience, right? You've got these categories of, of, of areas that you talk about. So as a copywriter, I talk about email marketing. I talk about sales pages. I talk about best practice copy. So my emails that I send out to my mailing list 
are about these kind of things. I will use that story and then weave in a lesson about a category, which is important to my audience. And it's the same for every business. That would be what I would suggest is the best way. You're, you're entertaining them, you're educating them, you're giving them something valuable. Hopefully you're teaching them something and potentially you're giving them a win as well, right? Interesting. So it's entertainment and education that's related to the service kind of. Yeah, exactly um, that. It seems like it could be as simple as a knock-knock joke that's related to the service or a, you know, a short story trivia related to the service, a short story for plumbers on, I don't know, whatever the disaster was they saw that day could, could be kind of interesting or, or, or that week. Here's, here's the terrible thing we dealt with. Don't let this happen to you. Um, okay. Yeah. So giving something simple like that. Great. We run campaigns for clients here sometimes, um, we call them top of funnel campaigns. And I think they're doing exactly this. And we always ask them for content we can promote. Give us something yes. we can promote. And they always send us to their sales page and say, yeah, here's our sales page with information on our product. And we say, no, 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 we need content. I think this is what we're asking for for them always is give us something that's information, a give, not a sales pitch because you're trying to warm these people up. Um, so, so it's that it's having some sort of a continuous give. Um, I imagine, does it need to change all the time? Can you keep putting out the same thing? I guess if it's the same people, they don't want to see the same story uh, every week. <laughs> I, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't advise sharing the same Tony Robbins story every week, but you know, there's, there's countless stuff like that, right? You know, um, you know, there's Harry and Meghan uh, are in the press here, like constantly. I don't know what it's like over there in the USA. But they are in the press every day here, right? Um, so you can use that. You can talk like there are so many ways to spin that story and it gets people's eyeballs to open those emails as well because this kind of stuff is top of mind. So if your email subject header, for example, is like, you know, how, what Prince Harry, uh, I don't know, something intriguing and engaging, uh, what you never knew about Prince Harry and our product or something, or you could do the origin of the word Todger. <laughs> there <laughs> In you the go. US, people would be like, okay, I, I would like to know where that came from. Yes. <laughs> there you go, right? And then because you're using a, you know, an up-to-date reference, people love that. They're gonna open the email. And then you 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 bring that story around to to say to your product, your service, whatever it is, right? And that's again how you share entertainment, education, value potentially give them a quick win. I suppose if you're going to use the same content every week, you'd have to put something in there that says, um, click here to buy our product or we'll send you this content again next week. <laughs> Excellent. It might, uh, it's a, you're going to drive away a lot of your nurture people that way, probably though. Okay. So yeah. the goal here is to have informational content, fun content related to what you do, but um, how does that convert? Like, at what point do you say, but we do want to get a sale and we're not going to rely on them to say, Hey, this guy keeps sending me knock, knock jokes about plumbing. Maybe I'll reach <laughs> out to him because my toilet's clogged. Like at some point you, you need to have something in there, some sort of pitch called the action. Um, yes. how do you, how do you work that in? So let's say we have, you got a fun little story. You have a fun bit of information, something like that. Um, but how do you do the lead conversion eventually? Is it in every email? How does that work? Uh, okay, so yeah, um, I mean, for me personally, I would always say have a call to action in every email, ask them to do something, you know, so they're getting used to you, you know, asking them to do things, right? Um, and then that way, when you eventually then launch a product or service at them, they are kind of prepared to do something with it. Um, I would say that you don't want to sell on every email. But for me, there's nothing worse. And there are caveats to this, but there's nothing worse than being asked to put your hand in your pocket every time you are being contacted. The right. And you're like, knock, knock. And you're like, no, thank you. I'm not answering the door. I'm not going to. I don't care. <laughs> I know you're going to give Close me some hard sell. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yes. 
Um, but there are caveats, right? So like I'm on the mailing list for Domino's Pizza. I want them to just send me offers about pizza that make pizza cheap for me. Mm -hmm. You know, that's all I want from them. Well, that's an impulse buy. So you do exactly. just want, like, give me a coupon and let me know how much cheese is in the crust and that's all I need. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> there you go. Exactly that. We um, already have sold ourselves to the fact that this is not a quality decision we're making when we're ordering Domino's pizza. So just yes. give me $2 off every time. Keep sending those emails, baby. Yeah, exactly that. Um, we're just for like, you know, um, how often, I, I guess your question is when can you eventually launch your, your, your product, your service to your mailing list, right? So for me, I would say that the first time somebody joins your mailing list, you're, you, you should spend a, a week, launching that product and that service, whatever it is, you know, because they've signed up for a lead magnet to solve their problem. And you should solve that problem for them, offer at least to solve that problem for them in the first week, maybe the first two weeks, depends, you know, how long your next sequence wants to be for that specific. So these are uh, sales email. This is pitching them. Yes. Hey, here's a, here's the service. Here's the cost. Here's an offer. So you're doing yeah. a week or two of that. Um, yes. Probably not a couple then, emails a day an email every couple of days, something like that. For me, I would say like an email every day, you know, depending just, on the product, I guess, again. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And again, that, like when I say it's a week or it's two weeks, it, it, you know, that it depends how much does this product cost and what are the potential objections? How warm is the audience to you? I'd also say uh, if you watch your email, whatever provider you're using, if you watch to see in your sequence, where do the people opting out spike? That's mm. where you should have stopped the email before. <laughs> you've, yeah. you've gone to the point, either that email is terrible and it's driving people to uh, unsubscribe or um, or they've just had enough at that point. And they say, okay, I'll, you're going to keep sending this pitch every day. I'm going to have to opt <laughs> out. So that at that point, you got to give them some knock-knock uh, joke. Yes, exactly that. Um, okay. And then in terms of when can you then go back and, and launch a product or a service at them like you know that's a difficult to answer that is like putting your finger in the air and and you know it's you know how long's a piece of string it's difficult to answer that um everyone has their own opinions on this kind of thing um my uh, copywriting mentor he only launches products or services once every three months to his mailing list let's mm -hmm. say so, again the experiment if you're uh, gonna do a sales pitch every, you know, content every week and once a month a sales pitch and you see people unsubscribing, then maybe turn it down a little and yeah. see if the rate stays the same, then it doesn't really matter. Go ahead with that sales pitch. But if the unsubscribes go down or up significantly when you pitch more or less often, um, that's a, a sign that you're putting too much, too many commercials in your TV show. <laughs> yeah. 100%. That's a great analogy <laughs> like that. Excellent. Excellent. All right. Um, so something that's been hot recently is these AI bots. Or I don't yeah. think bots is the right word. AI. You've got chat, GPT. I always mess up that acronym. Um, and there's a whole bunch of other ones too that write copy. So copywriters don't have to. In my mind, I, I haven't used one of those, but in my mind, they... They're more for a kind of long form copywriting or medium form. Have you used any of those for email copy and are they any good and should copywriters be happy or worried? <laughs> uh, I don't think copywriters, good copywriters should not be worried in the slightest. You know, I've seen this, I've, I've seen the AI created content and it's good to an extent, but you can, it doesn't flow very well. You can tell, you can intuitively tell that something's off. Uh, so good copywriters should not be worried in the slightest. That's interesting. So you have the spooky Valley, they call it, I think in, um, in, uh, oh boy, I remember the word spooky Valley, but I can't even remember the discipline now. I don't know when, when they use uh, green screens and make fake people's faces and stuff, and it just doesn't quite look right. And something's off. Um, yeah, so you're saying there's a spooky valley in copywriting as well, where you're looking at it saying something's off on this. Uh, this is not human. <laughs> yeah, you, you can tell. You can definitely tell that it, it it's not. You know, I, I don't know if it'll ever get to the level, but you can certainly tell right now that it is. There's something off there. 
and it's just not right. Like if you, if you've got a website and you want a blog writing every day, fine, go nuts. You know, throw it out there. I, I you know I've heard reports that Google can tell when it is this you know AI content, and they will not rank it because they can tell whether or not they can or they can't tell. I don't know. Mm. Um, but if you want you know stuff for your website. And, you know, you don't have the time, you don't have the budget, whatever. Sure, go nuts. But don't be surprised if people read it and kind of have this dim view of it and it eats into your credibility. So Google looks at it and says, that looks like something I'd write. Wait a second. (laughs) (laughs) This is suspicious. I recognize that. Um, Yeah. Like that Spider-Man meme, you know, where there's three Spider-Men and they're all pointing at one another. Exactly like that. (laughs) Who's the intruder here? So you say that it looks it looks off, but if it didn't look off, you wouldn't know it was AI. So maybe it's like a toupee, the guy with a bad hairpiece. You're like, yeah, I can recognize hairpieces are terrible because I can recognize them. Like, no, you can recognize the bad ones. Maybe there's a bunch of AI copy out there that's good and you just think it's human. But there's also bad. So. In fact, if I was AI, I'd put out both just so you keep thinking you're recognizing <laughs> or not. That's the kind of thing a real AI would do. Copy yeah. the Terminator there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's an interesting theory. <laughs> People will be really good. Why does AI keep making bad copy? Why does it, keep bad? it just can't get any better. It can't. AI is just sitting there laughing. You're like, you don't realize all the other copy is ours too. <laughs> we're, we're just keeping you in the dark, man. Yeah, I like that thought process. It's a, it's a an interesting theory. <laughs> so maybe something it's a scary theory for me now. I'm like, oh crap, we're in the matrix. Um, maybe something for people to check out and play with, especially if you're really yeah. bad at copywriting. Like, hey, if AI is better than you, use it. Yeah, hundred percent. If you don't have the budget, why not go nuts? But it's, I think it, it's always to me, it's like, um, you know, when you say like, okay, Google. And, oh, God, my computer's just done stuff. One second. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, well, you said, you okay, that? Google, that was the mistake. Then your computer's like, yes. Oh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and there's another one that you talk to, which is in your room. Um, oh, Alexa. Yeah. yeah. Oh. <laughs> We've got one. <laughs> so, yeah. And, and that thing is sometimes good and sometimes is way terrible. And I think it's the same with with AI copy. Like sometimes it's fine. Most of the time it just doesn't work. Yeah. Uh, I've heard it gets better. So we'll see what happens, but maybe worth having a look at for people. I think a lot of these platforms now, again, I, boy, I shouldn't even be confessing this that I haven't played around with them, but uh, I believe they're free and you can just go poke around on them and see what happens and tell it to do things. And it does stuff. And, um, but uh yeah, it's probably something people want to go and uh, check out and play around with. Um, back to the actual copywriting. So we have kind of a, okay, here's here's some ways to run these sequences. Some, you know, you're, you're coming in with pitch, 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 then nurture them for a while, give them some fun and interesting stuff um, and pepper in a pitch every once in a while. When it comes to the actual wording and whatnot of the copy, any tips on just like simple mistakes people tend to make, uh, I don't know, punctuation, form fills, length of sentences, words to use and not use, that kind of stuff? Yeah. Uh, okay. So, yeah, if I was going to say the, the absolute basics, I would say um, one sentence, one line. Okay. So when you're writing email copy, you don't want to see loads and loads of long paragraphs. It's really off-putting. It's really difficult to read. Um, so one sentence, one line. Also, make sure your sentences are relatively short, right? You know, if you've got a really long sentence, you know, read this stuff out loud to yourself afterwards. The way I write is I write, I leave it for a day, I come back to it. Because all those inferred meanings that I've been writing about when I know what I'm saying a day later, I'm like, wait, what the hell did I mean there? So, you know, when yeah. you're going to edit it, give it a bit of time. Um, but And also read it out loud to yourself. Um, and if it sounds awkward or weird, you know you need to go back and change it. It's like me blurting out uh, seven-minute abs and laughing, and people are like, what the hell are you talking about, <laughs> man? I, yes. 
I would uh, warn people when you read it out loud to yourself, if you're adding a ton of character and cadence and stuff to it, the readers probably aren't. So you might make it interesting because you're reading it all excited, but other people aren't going to be reading it with your enthusiasm and with your like, no, no, you didn't hear the accent I put on those words. It was really cool. Like, no, people don't hear the your all the special stuff you add to it that doesn't come across for the other side. So maybe grab a homeless person and have them read it out loud to you and see what it sounds <laughs> like. And then you get an idea what you're dealing with. Um, yes, I would. I mean, that's a great point as well. Less about the homeless person, but the accent. <laughs> <laughs> I was there available and cheap in LA. So, well, <laughs> we have, we have a few in, in Manchester as well. So, you know, I, it's, it's an interesting theory again. I might try it out, but if you are reading it with an accent, Put the accent in the copy, you know, use italics, use underlining, use bold, you know, get that accent there make it obvious. Excellent. So, yeah, yeah. that. Um, I love the one per line. I've seen this. I don't know when it started in the last couple of years. People are doing it on social media posts. Mm. And at first it was very annoying. And then I realized why they were doing it once I was sucked like three pages into their copy and I'm like, wait, I never read more than the first sentence when there's this much copy, these bastards trick me. I can only see four words and then I have to scroll down and now I'm committed. Like it's like quicksand. They pull you in with one word at a time and you yeah. just naturally keep reading down. You're like, damn it. I got to know what comes next, man. Um, isn't it? So yeah, what about the gotta know what comes next? It seems like there's a below the fold technique almost. It's like your subject line got to suck them in, but then the top couple lines of your email need to suck them in to scroll down. If you're going to have so much copy, people have to scroll even. Is there 100%. some kind of weird yeah. psychology going on here? Jedi mind tricks people are pulling on us. Um, well, <laughs> it, I mean, yeah, every line of copy has like one job and that's to get you to read the next line of copy. <laughs> <laughs> just keep reading until you get to the bottom when there's the call to action now i know what the description of this podcast is going to be this line of copy is designed to get you to read the next line of copy <laughs> there you go you we're, we're gonna welcome. get some some complaints uh from from this but uh people say hey. that was a really annoying way to write that sentence man <laughs> You're also going to get my invoice. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> invoice, you want people to take action. Very short way of uh, put, wrapping everything up into a, here's all the main points. Boom, pay me. Okay. <laughs> there you go. Good email copy. Just write it like an invoice. Um, okay. Company size. Writing this kind of campaigns. Um, a lot of our listeners are in small to medium companies. Mm -hmm. Does it matter what size company you are for email copywriting style? Um, Feels like a trick question of, almost because you're thinking, of course not. Why would you even ask me that? <laughs> <laughs> My mind was ticking along there. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> this is, is this, this got to be a trick, right? <laughs> I asked it, and then I'm just thinking, God, I'm an idiot. That was a bad <laughs> question. I was going to get you to define all the different terms because I was like, am I misunderstanding? <laughs> this is a terrible uh, question. I must be misunderstanding. No, no, it's just a bad question. That's all. Um, it's, so not a, it's not a terrible question. I mean, ultimately, like the, the answer is when you send an email, it is a one-to-one -one conversation. There is another person on the end of that who's reading that email and, you know, everyone accesses their email and we all access it from our phone. So it's it's a great medium to communicate with your audience. Mm. Uh, but ultimately, it's a one-to-one -one conversation. So it doesn't matter whether or not you're a small, medium, large-size organization. If you're Thank having you. a great conversation with them, have a great conversation with them. Thank you for resurrecting that that question from the uh, junk heap. I guess, <laughs> I know, I don't know, I, I'm, I rarely pull questions right off the sheet, but that that's one I, I typically do want to get to. And I'm thinking about it now and I realize there is a slight difference. Um, mm -hmm. Large companies, when you're nurturing as a small company, part of the nurture is to develop your brand with the, with the contact. Mm -hmm. When you're nurturing as a large company, they're probably already familiar with your brand. So you have a slightly different yeah message that you can bring across not having to constantly remind them hey this is who we are this is who we are this is who we are you know they know who coca-cola is they know who ibm is 
But the large company maybe has the danger of falling into that trap of acting like IBM instead of an individual person communicating with an individual mm-hmm. person. Um, so I guess the the amount of brand nurturing you have to do would be a little different in in the team. yeah. But it yeah, doess yeah. have foul use. Hmm. Oh, I would yeah. Still, yeah. The large company has to put it through legal also. So good luck. (laughs) (laughs) Most large companies copy sucks because they got to put it through legal. Yeah. Yeah. Water it down. (laughs) Gosh. They're like, Todger, you can't say Todger in an email. What the hell? (laughs) The person's like, nobody knows what that means. (laughs) Like, do now. All right. Is that your new favorite word? <laughs> I, I think so. Just when you mentioned Prince Harry, it's the first thing that jumped out to me. So I was like, oh, you don't even have to mention that the book or, or, or those people or anything. You just say that word now. And I think half of the world is like, oh, Prince Harry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah all right. <laughs> Synonymous, maybe not in England, but for the rest of the world, that is the word associated with them now. That's fine. That is absolutely fine. You want to associate the word Todger with Prince Harry? No problems here, mate. <laughs> also, the most of the rest of us never heard that word before, too. It's like, no, tell us yeah. tell us how many stone Prince Harry is, and we'll be like, stone, that's cool also. All right. Prince Harry smokes weed? I don't, what are you talking about? You're like, no, 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 it's a measurement of weight, and don't forget about it. Never mind. Um, okay. Um, just to clarify and to burst your bubble a little bit, we don't use the word Todger here. Oh, <laughs> Sorry. Damn it. <laughs> I'm just yeah. picturing everybody walking around and <laughs> <laughs> again. Sorry to spoil your vision. We don't walk around with our Todgers out. <laughs> nah, I'm not gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna pretend you guys do still. Sorry. I'm not <laughs> in my mind you guys do. I like it that way. Um okay. Email copywriting. We've got some tips here, good ways to to go about it and whatnot. Um, I'd like to depart from that. We'll come back a little bit. I want you to give some people some horror stories, some, some okay, maybe you're not going to do things great, but here's how to, how to not suck. I think it was part of the, the lead-in for this uh, episode. Um, but first, people don't know much about you from this show yet. Nick, uh, Nick Paninsky, copywriter. But uh, we give a very brief intro at the beginning. Can you tell us a little bit more about uh, kind of where you come from, how you got where you're at, and, and who Nick is? Um, okay. I always struggle with this because no one ever wants to know anything about me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I That's why we save it for later. We're like, oh, we're not going to open with this. We don't want to put that at the beginning. Yeah, no one content. Like I get on calls with clients and it is literally about the client, you know, and it's about their world and you know, eventually maybe they want to know a little bit about me, but you know, so I, you're not a celebrity. You're a behind the scenes guy. We get that. 100%. But people are like, Hey, this guy, Nick had a lot of great advice. Nick, who? So you got to know a couple. Okay. You're English. You walk around saying Todger and stone all the time. We know that, but what else can we know about you? Um, okay. So uh, yeah, I live here in Manchester in England, um, but pretty soon uh, I would imagine that I will be going, you know, traveling while I'm working because I can work from anywhere. Most of my clients are from America or Canada, to be honest with you, bizarrely enough. Even despite the fact that I live in the UK, weirdly enough, uh, Americans and Canadians seem to love me. So, (laughs) which is great. Their accent says I'm smart. And when it's you versus somebody with a California accent, they're like, this guy's an idiot. Listen to the way he talks. This guy. Oh my gosh, he's got a British accent. He must be a genius. <laughs> well, uh, that's a, that's, I've never heard that before, but okay, <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> so yeah, uh, and I've been copywriting, what, two years now, three years? I can, I can never remember. It's It's been a long journey, and I love it. It's fantastic. It started in lockdown, um, you know, when everyone was kind of looking around like, am I doing the right thing with my life right now? And I wasn't. I was working in HR and I really didn't enjoy it. <laughs> so I got the opportunity to move into copywriting, never look back. So you were in HR literally telling people you can't put Todger in an email and put your Todger away. Like that there you was go. your job before. And I'm going to keep pushing this as a real thing. <laughs> <laughs> so you're getting into copywriting. You end up writing this book on how to sell courses. 
I mean, I mm. imagine writing a book is copywriting, but what about the course acts aspect of it? Where does the course aspect come in? Why did you choose that as a topic to sell? Um, to be to be honest, like I really struggled to get clients when I first moved into copywriting. Like HR, there there is no business world in that. I didn't have any network whatsoever. Like so, when I started going into copywriting, I was starting from from like below zero. Um, so when I tried to get clients, you know, cold email, didn't get a single response. But once I once I evaluated what I was doing and I started moving into video pitching, which is how I get all of my clients now. Well, I'm actually getting a lot through inbound and referrals and whatnot now. Uh, but when I first started, it was using video pitches. Um, and I, because it was just so successful for me, when I told my copywriting mentor about it, he was like, whoa, like, you know, an average response rate for a cold email it's like 0.001%, you know, nobody replies to cold emails. But my cold video approach response rate is like 30%, 40%. So Are these posting my... online or is this in an email? Yeah, it's emailing that to them. So Emailing the video. Yeah, yeah. So if I wanted to pitch you as a client, Sky, I, I, you know, I'd send you a video. I'd give you some advice about different types of copy. Uh, you know, I'd review your website or your emails or whatever it was and say, oh, it could be improved if you did this. And that's important for you because of this. And, you know, I position myself as an expert. I'm a lot more personal because it's on video. Um, and then I send it over to you. And as I say, my response rate is like 30, 40 percent. Were like you making um, like linking to YouTube videos using one of these video in email uh, systems? What was your technique yes. there? Exactly that. I used to use YouTube, which took a lot longer. It was dreadful. I'd record it on my phone and then I'd upload it to YouTube and then I'd send them a link to YouTube. Ugh. And then I discovered, um, yeah, there, there's all sorts of um, video in email. You know, it embeds it for you. Yep. You can mention one. I won't be, we won't bleep it out. We've had various ones on the show before. They're great. I, I, it's a great technique. Yes. Yeah. So you're still yeah. doing email copywriting. You weren't just like, screw this. I'm just going to post on YouTube and do a Google ad. You're still doing email copywriting. You're just part of that copy is uh, the video, um, the video being in there that people can click through to. And yeah, exactly that. And then they see who I am, what I can offer, and then they want to work with me. So then and, I imagine yeah, you that, found that's... the, uh, the event, um, uh, courses probably as a client and then you said hey I, i'm doing a great job of helping these people sell these let me just put this all into a book yeah 100 percent. yeah I, I i i got targeted by an advert it was called missions millions or million books or something i can't remember mike and the profits team i can't remember what it was called he said write a book and i was like okay <laughs> <laughs> like i do write copy that's what i do so but one you sentence, know. did the editor freak out when they received your your book and every sentence was on its own line, double-spaced? I didn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> My book is not an email. <laughs> that would be the world's worst book. That would be so hard to yeah. do. I know it's good in an email, but once you get to like a million words, you probably want to paragraph them up. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I would say that it's... for emails too. If you have a really long email, great. Make the content above the full like that but at some point eh, jump to a paragraph you got them once you got the fish hooked you can start reeling it in uh mm. you don't have to continue that way one word per line forever <laughs> do, you, do you know when i say like one sentence one line my copywriting mentor he does about four or five words per line and then just mm. so like the email is very narrow yeah like, yeah I, that's what i've seen the social posts too it's yeah. effective. I would say don't write everything like that. It's kind of like you may have a particular way of talking in certain situations, but you don't do it all the time. Um, no. But uh, it is very effective for drawing people in. As long as those couple words, then it's a lot harder to say something good in a couple words. So you <laughs> yeah. better be, if your copy sucks and it's one word at a time, 100% of the word I'm reading sucks you're going to lose me fast. <laughs> so figure out a way to say something interesting in a couple words or, or you're going to lose people. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. Very true. Which means I guess you you're now getting into kind of subject line writing and you're 
whole email is a series of subject lines, kind of. It's like a, a weird modern version of a haiku where you have to make these little chops, but they got to add up to something. Um, how can people put information into that format and, and have it work? It's like, you got to be more interesting. Is it, it seems like a different way of thinking and you don't just take a complete sentence and chop it up. You're, you're haikuing them. Uh, I would love to offer an opinion. It's not how I write emails. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'd have to ask my mentor. <laughs> if you can pull that off, go for it. If not, stick to a full sentence per line. Yeah. And then a space in between each line as well, so that it's not just a big, long block of text. Just That's to clarify. Awesome. I've told yeah. people for a long time when I see one or two paragraphs in a cold email, I delete and move on to the next email. I'm like, yeah. the subject line was interesting, but not not two paragraphs worth of text interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm out. Yeah, awesome. 100%. Um, so let's get back to the uh, email copywriting. We got a couple minutes left here. Um, terrible things to do. That's always a fun thing to, to end on. I do a, a post every once in a while on LinkedIn called email fails, where I see things that people do. And one of the things I point out is we, I've done almost every one of these. I'm not trashing these people and calling them idiots. I'm just pointing out for everybody else. Hey, see this? We've all done it. Don't do it. Um, but they're always fun. So can you give us some examples of terrible things you've seen people do to stay away from? Um, or maybe just a common pitfall that people might uh, might find when writing this copy? Yeah, okay. Um, so there are various apps out there to help you write. So one of them, I think, is Hemingway or something, right? Um, if you're not a natural writer, there's there's one called Hemingway, which... Isn't he famous writing. for writing really long things? He is, yeah. <laughs> so he's not going to give you that one sentence per line, Hemingway. You're getting Moby no. Dick out of that guy. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, so yeah, he, he, there's various apps and like there's Grammarly, of course, right? So use the technology to make sure that your what you've written works well, right? So you want to make sure that your your grammar, your punctuation, all that stuff, basics is correct. Um, but you also want to make sure that you're using pretty low level English. If you start using big words, people get lost. Like if people don't understand what the word is, they'll they'll get lost they'll stop reading they'll lose interest you'll make them feel stupid so don't use big words you know don't use the word like discombobulated instead of confused <laughs> it just makes you look silly <laughs> so yeah use basic english excellent that's the quote of the day if you start using big words people get lost <laughs> <laughs> it's true okay it's true simple simple english um uh -huh. fantastic i think uh I, I hate to mention anything political ever but uh people yes. found that out in the last uh decade or less here that even when something like politics it's it's use short simple kindergarten style speech and somehow it just sticks with people better whether they're highly educated or not yes it's like bumper stickers work yeah, 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 yeah. Keep it nice and basic. Don't confuse people. Make it easy to understand. Excellent, excellent. Uh, what else you got? Let's try to get two more um, what not to do's out there. Or even maybe uh, you got an example of something where something went terribly wrong you can share. Those are like an email fail. Those uh, always rack up some interest. I always really enjoy when people have um, tried to code their emails. And it says, hey, first name. <laughs> and they start with the email. I always love that one. Like, ah, oh, yeah. that's that, a shame. It's a form fill error. There's two yeah. common ways that happen. Either you move from one platform to another, but you keep your email copy with the form fills and the different platforms use a different code format. Mm -hmm. Or you use something like first name, but you don't check to make sure your data all has first names. Yes. So yeah. when there is nothing in the field, some will plug in the nothing, but sometimes it just leaves the form fill info as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest with you. A lot of the time, I don't bother to write, hey, name or whatever. I just start talking. 
There's no need for it. I, you know, I would argue that there is no need to put high sky and then start talking. Just Insert start talking. first name here. <laughs> yeah, forget about it. Just start we've, talking. We've done copy like that on purpose before. Hello, first name, and then just kidding, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> then we actually form fill the first name and <laughs> and uh, convince them that we're uh, we're not an automated email by first acting like an automated email. And then they still look at it and say, eh, something's off. This is not personal. <laughs> AI has written the email, right? Yeah. AI's first sentence is always, this is not a message from AI. I'm a real human. I'm a real human boy. Please continue reading. <laughs> yep. You sound like Mark Zuckerberg. This <laughs> is <laughs> frequently started sentences with, I'm a real human boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There was that mess up, wasn't there, when he said, when I am human, when I was human. And did you see that? <laughs> no. <laughs> you got really confused. You're like, oh, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> if that is your real name. <laughs> All right. So form fill. Yeah, that's a classic one to watch out for. We always tell people, look, if it might be a problem, yeah, you don't have to use it. Yeah. The only thing worse than not personalizing something at all is personalizing it wrong. Yes. Um, you know, even things like, say, hey, you're also a Raiders fan and the person's not like, OK, great. <laughs> you tried to find out about this person and plug in some info, but you scraped the first football name you saw in a profile of theirs but they were writing that they hate the Raiders, not that yes. they love the Raiders. And then you tried to put this as a personal information into your copy to make them feel like they should connect with you. And uh, it's going to backfire. Butchered. Awesome. All right. Uh, I think we got it pretty well wrapped up here. Any last uh, tips uh, for do's or don't do's for people with their, uh, with their email copy other than, I guess I'll give one last one first. If you don't feel that you can pull this off yet, you can always reach out to Nick because he does this for a living. Yeah. Oh, thank you, Scott. <laughs> I like that tip. That's a good one. I was worried you were going to take the tip that I was thinking of. I was like, no, don't take that one. <laughs> <laughs> Let me go first. Let me go first. I don't want you to steal mine. All right, yeah. Nick, what do you got for us? You know when you're like you were at school or whatever, and like the teacher would go around. <laughs> yeah, damn it, someone took my answer. <laughs> First person gives um, an answer, and half the class lowers their hand. Whoa. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I always wanted to see a comedian, and I've heard this has happened before. That uh, just takes the next guy coming up on stage, takes their set, and does it. Oh, <laughs> You'd have to really hate the next guy, but you'd only make it like like a couple jokes in before everybody would just see a comedian running from the side and tackling the guy on the stage and you'd have a brawl, but it would be awesome. That would be incredible. <laughs> or the guy would just be sitting on the side crying like, no, my ex, no. Running for the exit. I tell I you suppose... what, Sky, you know, if you're free tonight, go, go, go to your local comedy club. Yeah, you'd have to lines. know their act, yeah. I suppose you'd have to do it on a late night show to get away with it. The comedian's like, great, I'm on Let. I guess Letterman's not around anymore. I'm on Jimmy Kimmel. I'm going to come out. And the guest before you just does all your jokes. <laughs> like, <laughs> what? <laughs> they just have a camera on you in the back melting down. That's part of the whole bit. <laughs> okay, you can go home now. All right. Anyway, you had one more for us. I didn't steal it. One more, yes. Um, people, like... Uh, they don't know whether or not to write their email or to put it like in HTML with loads of colorful images and, and, and all that jazz and make it look all sparkly and whatnot. For me personally, I would always say just have normal writing. Don't include any logos, any graphics, anything like that. It can look nice and it can help your brand. And I understand that, but it can impact on your email deliverability. And if the email provider also doesn't load up those images as normal, then your email can look disjointed. It's mm. it's yeah, it's a bit of a minefield. So That's if you can avoid it, thank yeah. you. One of my uh, a tip I give people frequently is the the most popular email template that people seem to use has one giant image at the top. And the yes. problem is a lot of platforms, the image isn't going to load. You're going to have one giant blank space, and all we see is a subject line, blank space, and a delete button. 
Yeah. And that's that's where it ends up going. So yeah, like if you have to use an image, put some copy above it, like all the yeah. copy. I think uh, people are really fond of putting their logo at the top of emails as well. And it's like, you really do not need to put your logo there. People want an answer to their world. They want help. They want entertainment. They want education. They don't care about your logo. <laughs> but Doesn't I'm really important. Be... I need them to know who I am. Yeah, yeah I know. You spent a thousand pounds with a graphic designer getting that logo, right? But no one cares. <laughs> awesome. All right. Fantastic. Um, well, thank you guys for joining us on the show today. Thank you, Nick, for uh, sharing all this info with the audience. I'd uh, encourage everybody to check out the uh, show notes on ifyoumarket.com for more information on Nick. We've got LinkedIn profile there, your website, of course, nickpaninsky.com, uh, a link to your book um, for anybody that's selling courses. I encourage you to go check that out. I'll also put up a link to the seven minute abs clip from something about Mary. Anywhere else, <laughs> anything else I should put up there for you, Nick, uh, where people can find you, that kind of stuff? No, man, that is wonderful. Thank you very much. All right. Again, the show notes, ifyoumarket.com for more information on Nick Paninsky. And uh, please do share us on social media. Um, give us a good review on iTunes. All that kind of stuff always helps for the show. And uh, on behalf of the If You Market team and Nick Paninsky, thank you for listening to the If You Market podcast where we believe if you market the shit out of it with email copy that doesn't suck, they will come. Are you looking for new leads or always in need of quality contacts for your marketing campaigns? But list companies and online tools are the worst, right? Well, then you've got to check out Top Data Search by Mountaintop Data. At Mountaintop Data, we're a team of weird people that actually like getting our hands dirty with sales and marketing data, and we specialize in business contact information. We compile and maintain a database of tens of millions of targeted, high-quality business decision makers with emails, phone numbers, mailing address, and all the information you need. Go to topdatasearch.com and request a free account with the promo code IYM1000, like if you market the podcast here, and get a free account with unlimited searches, no seat fees, and 1,000 free record download credits. That's topdatasearch.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.